Hi, you're listening to Sound Matters. You're in London, England. Sometime in the first part of the 21st century. And London, England, at this point in history, at this exact point in history, sounds like this. If you're standing in Tottenham Court Road tube station in the West End. Now pay close attention to all of the things that you can hear. There's the footsteps. There's the announcer's voice. People laughing, people talking, voices you don't know, people around you. This is it. London. Right here, right now. Doing its thing. London's where I come from originally, which is possibly a problem, because knowing a place really well generally tends to mean that you pay less attention to it. You don't notice the details. Today, I want to notice the details. Welcome to this edition of Sound Matters, Sound of the Cities, Part 4, London. Sound. Sound. Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sounds. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little. The one place where it sounds the best. Sound matters. (laughs) The problem with London, like most big cities these days, is that it's loud, dirty, stressful, full of people, full of noise, and you either love it or you hate it, or both, within the space of a single day. As a creative space, however, it can be second to none, if you can find a route through all the noise. All my guests on this edition of Sound Matters have found some kind of route. People like radio documentarist Cathy Fitzgerald. You are surrounded by a sea of clamour, and if I do my job, then you're arrested from it and transported. Or Swedish sound artist BJ Nilsson. Follow your ears, basically. Start listening and, and record. Or Australian sound artist Colin Black. If you listen, it really does enhance your life. But my first guest is Nathaniel Wazinski, who, as you may know, is the editor of this very podcast, made possible by Bang & Olufsen. Nathaniel lived in London for 15 years, but he didn't come from there. Okay, so I'm originally from Western Canada, uh, an island off of the coast of Vancouver. Um, and But in 2000, uh, I moved to London. And there I studied. During his time in London, he wrote for The Wire magazine. Uh, and The Wire, if you don't know it, that's a kind of experimental and avant-garde music and sound arts magazine. I talked with Nathaniel for some time about the sound of London, about what it's like living there, about how it affects you. And we pretty soon discovered that even just talking about the soundscape of London, trying to define what it means or what it is, is almost as impossible, almost as stressful as London itself.
so many competing sounds. There's always something going on. You have all of these sounds that, that are really sounds, upsetting. Actually. They work us up. They they make us... So it's a mixture of these kind of quiet... They quiet, make us on edge. Kind of and so there's zones. always some kind of low-level stress going on. Birds in the distance through to just like incredible noise, sound, and art. Maybe it made me louder, maybe it made me deafer. So I, I think it feels really specific and unique at the time. I need to think about At the same time, it's really generic. Organic sounds like I think it's just so kind of, you know, Low bikes, motorbikes, low fidelity. Even my accent. Here's a, this is, this is where this where sound becomes incredibly important. Between that, that really of course, they work us up. They really they make pressure. It's really they make us on edge. So eventually, we ended up talking about R. Murray Schaefer. Now, R. Murray Schaefer was an academic and a composer from Canada, same place Nathaniel comes from. He became a kind of central figure in, in the formulation of what the soundscape is. Ah Marisheva wrote a book more than 40 years ago now. It's called The Soundscape. In fact, Ah Marisheva was the person who invented the term, The Soundscape. The undertitle of the book is Our Sonic Environment and the Tuning of the World. And, and it really focused on listening and how we listen. He had, there was a lot of focus on foghorns, <laughs> for instance. So these sound marks that were quickly disappearing from, from the, the area in, in Canada. And I'm from that area too, actually. And, you know, a marked thing. I don't remember foghorns, absolutely. But, but what I do remember uh, are diesel train horns. So it's a really specific, lonely, mournful sound. So R. Murray Schaefer and Nathaniel Brzezinski, growing up and living in the beautiful, natural and generally pretty quiet sonic environment of Vancouver, Canada, lived in a soundscape that sometimes sounded something a bit like this. The sound travels so amazingly over the water that you would hear it late at night, just so faintly coming through. And, and in a way, that, that, that's sort of the perfect auditory symbol of, of what I think R. Murray Schaefer was talking about, which is the, this fact, the sonic fact of the world, but that kind of almost kind of helped you emotionally relate to your landscape or your soundscape. Does that make, was that a nice way of saying it? Is that a good, did that make sense? Well, I think that does make sense. It's the details in the sound picture around you, and basically what those details come to mean to you, that make a soundscape what it is. The clearer, more easily identifiable the sounds are, the more high fidelity they are, according to Schaefer, and the more noisy, mixed up and impossible to separate they are, the more lo-fi they become. When you arrive in the city, especially a huge, noisy, mega-city like London, suddenly there's a lot more sound to take into account. A lot more noise. Part of living in London, I think, was coming to terms with all of the sounds happening all of the time and you couldn't shut them off. We, we, we spent millennia with our kind of sound as our, our kind of primary early warning system. 
and you have all of these things shouting and screaming at us that it seemed like there's something wrong. And we have to learn how to deal with that. We have to learn how to deal with that. We have to figure out ways of surviving the city, doing something about either filtering out the sensory overload or getting into it and embracing the chaos. We do what we can to take back some sense of control, either by filling the space with our own noise, like this human beatbox artist currently occupying the soundscape outside Tottenham Court Road tube station, or like the rest of us, probably just by putting on some headphones, listening to some music or a podcast, for example. I said at the beginning it might be a problem for me that I've lived in London far too long. I blank it out. I'm always trying to make it go away. My next guest did exactly the opposite. Well, my name's Colin Black. I'm from Australia. Colin, or Dr. Black, has travelled to many cities in the world to explore the soundscapes, make recordings and create works out of these recordings. You're always the outsider. You don't hear or see or understand that culture or that place like the people of that place. Once you get over that, you, what you have to offer is this other perspective that that culture or those people don't see themselves because they, they don't see it anymore or hear it anymore. One of his works is a collection of pieces called London Eardrops, a series of sound pieces created entirely out of the sound of London. Please be seated. Some people call it soundscape, some people call it music concrete. Colin Black grew up in a very quiet rural place in Australia. I grew up on a small farm in New South Wales. But Colin Black has a slightly different take on the soundscape than R. Murray Schaefer on how the sounds of the city affect us, and how the sounds of the city in themselves can be something worth exploring. If you listen, it really does enhance your life. That bit I agree with R. Murray Schaefer. Listening really does enhance things. Having to like peel it all back to what he calls hi-fi and lo-fi, I don't agree with because sometimes really noisy locations that are man-made are absolutely beautiful. There's some parts of the city that just sound absolutely beautiful. The next station is London Bridge. So when you're in London, it's not as easy to pick out a single sound like a distant diesel train. In London, it's all happening at once. And London is, well, what is London? London's big. You really get the sense that London's big and the sound of it's big. And, but there's some really beautiful sound spaces in London as well. This sequence of events that just happened, you know, it just happened so beautifully and it's, it's magic. But how you put that together 
in a really poetic way is the real trick, you know. When you record something, it's the same as Plato's shadows being cast into the cave and the beautiful illusions, but it's not, it's not the sound of being in that place. You create an artwork, you, you create something that re represents that place as much as language is a symbol of something else. A sound recording is a symbol of something that happened before. It sounds like it, but it's not. And if you pick the right tool, you can make beautiful sound paintings and they will look like and represent that landscape or that cityscape of that location. But it's like an oil painting. If you look around the back, it's, it's still just the oil painting. Here's another track from London Eardrops. This one's called, You Can't See the Horizon. Uh, you can't see the horizon most of the time. You're surrounded very closely by buildings, so you can't see out. I think it closes your patterns of thought down. You start to think more and more instantly in like a smaller way. Yeah. Every city has its own personality. And that's what you capture through the sound is that personality. It's like getting to know a person. You sit down and kind of listen. In London you often can't see the horizon. To what they've got to say to you surrounded by buildings close around you all the time. You don't speak in front of them, you know, make assumptions. You sit and listen and it just reveals itself. Every city has its secrets to tell. You've just got to be quiet enough to listen and hear them. When I first lived in London, I used to walk across the river because when you're going over the bridges, you can see a bit of horizon and it changes how your mind's working because you can see out. London does change how your mind works. It gets to you. My next guest, Kathy Fitzgerald, makes immersive listening experiences. I'm Kathy Fitzgerald and I make radio documentaries. I suppose I try to make documentaries that are like little portals into other worlds. A little shop near the British Museum. Stripped wooden floorboards, dark wooden cabinets. L. Cornelison and Son, artists Cullerman. I'm here to talk to the customers, ordinary, everyday artists, in love with paints and pigments and what they can do. What are they buying? What are they making? I'm going to set up camp between the pastels and the paintbrushes and see what stories find their way to my recorder. After 15 years of living and working in London, she figured out her best policy was to get the hell out of there in order to be able to hear herself think. 
lived in London for about 15 years, I think. Let me just think. Let me just think. Um, I live about an hour outside London, so it's right out in the country. Let me just think. It's this really deep physical craving for trees and space and a genuine horizon rather than a, a much more curbed in space. Let me just think. I have London maybe a day a week or two days a week and I have it when I crave it. I have it when I want to feel like I'm part of something bigger. It's, I think it's about boundaries really. It's about that awareness of how closely you're living to other people. People breathing and sneezing and living and moving and generally just, you know, being animal critters. I find it personally very difficult to forget about other people. You know, if they're in my line of sight or in my line of ear, then they're, they're, they're in my world, in my consciousness very much. Let me just think. Let me just think. So Kathy, who makes very sensitive and very beautiful sound pictures for a living, chooses to get the hell out of the city in order to be able to do it. Because the city is too noisy a place to think. If I'm trying to create really intense, imaginative worlds of my own, then I have to take a step back from the material reality of our world. Because I don't, I, yeah, I want to be somewhere. Um, yeah, I just want to be somewhere else. Without that clamour in the background. That's a familiar feeling for anyone who's ever lived in London, especially when you've been commuting every day in the rush hour on the underground, when every day feels the same, like you're living in a loop. And in fact, our tape has just looped around for the first time because here we are again, back in the underground station, Tottenham Court Road, right at the heart of London's super busy West End. Same place we started. Same random set of noises. Recorded. Repeated. Now being played back out of context. This tiny audio snapshot of one spot in London at one particular time represents one completely unique set of circumstances. That piano. What's that doing here? They put pianos in subway stations in London these days, so anyone who wants to can have a go, provide some backing music for the commuters. Random piano players, random voices, random footsteps, announcements. The more you look at it, or rather listen to it, the easier it gets to start to be able to pick it all apart. So like those distant train horns in Vancouver, each piece of this picture starts to be its own thing. <coughs> and if you listen, 
Maybe, maybe, the whole thing starts to sound less and less like random noise. It's a map. Sound builds up this whole topography in the sense of space that's three-dimensional. Sound is a three-dimensional map. And normally you use maps to find your way around. It's time to meet my next guest, who's also spent a good deal of time in London recording sounds and creating artworks out of those recordings. This is Swedish sound artist BJ Nilsson. Well, uh, my name is Benny Nilsson and uh, I work under my initials, which is BJ Nilsson. And I've been doing sound, art, experimental music for, yeah, since the 90s, early 90s. BJ Nilsson decided to take a nearly random approach to the nearly random soundscape of London, a method of just letting the sounds lead him wherever they wanted to go. I decided to take the psychogeography approach to it and and uh, walk around in the city without any 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 goal just being guided by sound i like to walk and i like to walk painlessly in in cities just just not to have a goal and then i read read up on on this that it actually exists a thing called psychogeography yeah, how should I explain it? Uh... How should you explain the idea of psychogeography? But the dictionary definition says this much. Psychogeography is an exploration of urban environments that emphasizes playfulness and drifting. It was defined in 1955 by the French philosopher Guy Dubois as the study of the precise laws and specific effects of the geographical environment, consciously organized or not, on the emotions and behavior of individuals. It's a sort of conscious disruption of what you do when you walk around in a city. It makes you aware of other levels of meaning and so on in the streets making you follow some other principles other than just a map or a street sign in order to find your way around. Things like following random people, following the direction of the wind, for example, or going after the sunlight, the shade, or of course, paying attention only to sound. This is a practice also that photographers do, of course, and writers, poets, you know, to get inspired by the not the immediate path, you know. You would probably end up finding something that's far more interesting for you. So just by following your ears, like BJ Nilsson did, you're doing psychogeography. Just uh, put my finger on a map and deciding, okay, I'm gonna go there and maybe be, be out for, for, for a day, four, five, six hours easily walking around. Uh, you tend to yeah, tune in much more to what you're listening to. You have to be attentive. So you have to be attentive. It's kind of the opposite of blocking out the noise. It's about embracing it, diving in, letting it talk to you, letting it tell you something new. <coughs> Down in the tube station, Tottenham Court Road, at some point in time, in the early part of the 21st century. 
This sound, the sound you can hear right now, around you, is the soundtrack to your life. These days, millions of citizens choose their own city soundtracks, listening to music, radio, podcasts, meditation tapes, whatever they want. The entire population of headphone-wearing people walking around the city, each listening to an asynchronous soundtrack, each of them on their own wavelength. You could say it's no wonder the city is so chaotic and disharmonious, but then again it always was, and maybe that's the wrong way to think about it. Now people are out there moving through the city with headphones on, they're floating through a soundscape of their own choosing. The sound of London could be described as the sum total of everything you can possibly hear, all being played at the same time. R. Murray Schaefer said it in the first line of his book, Soundscape, the Tuning of the World. Modern man, and woman presumably, is beginning to inhabit a world with an acoustic environment radically different from any he or she has hitherto known. The only question that remains for you, the listener, is whether you're going to block it out or let it in. And that's all for this edition of Sound Matters. A great big London thank you to Nathaniel Brzezinski, to sound artist Colin Black, whose tracks from the London Eardrops album we heard in the show, and whose work you can find much more of on his website, which is colin-black.weebly.com. Big thanks to Cathy Fitzgerald, not least for the clip from her wonderfully calm and immersive radio doc, Little Shop of Colours. Check out many more of her award-winning radio documentaries on her website, which is kathyfitzgerald.co.uk. Also, big thanks to sound artist BJ Nilsson. You'll find him at bjnilsson.com, where you can also find the tracks Londinium and Phase and Amplitude that accompanied him in this show. Sound Matters is made possible by Bang & Olufsen. The editor is Nathaniel Brzezinski. And the rest was done by me. And my name is Tim Hinman. See you next time. Goodbye. Sound. 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 Music. Acoustic. Noise. Sound. I have a favorite sound, I think. Sound. sound. Ultrasonic. How they listen. Just a little. Boop. The one place where it sounds the best. You're listening to sound. Sound matters.